Section 5 of the San Francisco Earthquake and Fire, as reported in the newspapers of that city. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Items from the San Francisco Call of Saturday, April 21, 1906. Small houses for park. Temporary buildings are to be erected. Suffering in the Mission District is feared. Government begins to lay out a large sanitary camp. Marcel Cerf, chairman of the Committee on Refuge for the Homeless, stated that temporary structures will be erected in Golden Gate Park for their protection at once, and that Major MacIver of the United States Army is laying out a sanitary camp. Work on this has already begun, and will be rushed as rapidly as lumber can be secured. The camp will be under the supervision of an officer of the Engineers Corps of the United States Army, and the chief of the Army Medical Staff will be in charge of it as sanitary officer. Some lumber was delivered there today. The conditions among the homeless in the park, Chairman Cerf said, was excellent, but he feared that there would be considerable suffering in the Mission District, where the committee has not been able to reach all the people. In fact, under present conditions, it was practically impossible to take care of all the people. He stated that cots were very necessary, and expressed the fear that unless these were quickly forthcoming, there might be an epidemic. A subcommittee was appointed to impress all vacant buildings and all deserted houses that after examination should prove to be safe. Registry Bureaus Throughout the City Persons seeking or in possession of information should make themselves known. The main bureau of registry has been established in the mayor's office, Franklin Hall, Fillmore and Bush Streets, San Francisco. Branch registries have been established at all points to which people have fled for refuge, and their lists will be sent to the San Francisco main office as promptly as possible and from these lists a general list will be prepared, which will be printed in the papers as soon as possible. Persons having information concerning missing persons supposed to be injured or killed will please communicate the facts to the registry offices. Persons registering will indicate the place where they may be found in the briefest possible manner, as it will be necessary to condense all information. Oakland Registry Offices are the Oakland Chamber of Commerce, Alameda Relief Committee, Berkeley Relief Committee. San Francisco offices, at Ferry Telephone Booth, North End, at Golden Gate Park, at 25th and Bryant Streets, Park Lodge, Presidio, 6th and Mission Streets, 17th Street Station, and Black Point Ferry. Louis Tossig, now at 1954 Bush Street, formerly of 1040 Folsom Street, has lost his wife, a son of 13 years, and a daughter 11 years. Dr. H. S. Monroe of Georgia, please communicate at once with Dr. Van Orden of Alameda, who has messages from Mrs. Monroe. Dr. Monroe was last heard of in the Grand Hotel. F. W. Elmendorf is requested to call at the Oakland City Office of the Southern Pacific for transportation to Chicago. Andrew Peterson and M. H. Frawley have some valuable baggage at 1875 Sutter Street, 
which evidently belongs to J. M. Lyon and wife and sister-in-law. Russell F. Reed and Frank G. Burgess are requested to report to A. G. Wood at the Relief Committee's headquarters in Franklin Hall. Mrs. W. H. Mallory of Stockton fears her husband was killed in one of the hotels in Santa Rosa. She has gone home to her mother in Stockton. A. B. Seal wants his mother, Sarah Seal, to call at 607 Fell Street. Mrs. I. F. McPherson wants Miss Emily Wallace to go home on the Owl train. Policeman Joseph Lysett's family should inquire of Captain Duke at Franklin Hall for news of his whereabouts. Madame Tolly will find her husband camped in a lot opposite 1902 Sutter Street. Arthur Taveros wants Mrs. J. Sales to come to 1401A Scott Street. Julius and Louis Bean, adults, are among the missing. Any information will be gratefully received by Joseph E. Bean, Hotel Majestic. The family of Joseph O'Connell, of 448 1⁄2 Jesse Street, is located at Grove and Fulton Streets. Reuben Lloyd is at the home of Mr. West, Grove and Fillmore Streets. Carl H. Von Wiegand of the Associated Press, in charge of the press committee at Franklin Hall, is anxious to learn of the whereabouts of his wife and two children, Norman and Charmian. J. W. Raphael would like Mr. Bond of Goldfield to communicate with him at headquarters at once. Among the missing is Fred Albrecht, Sr. His wife is in the Presidio Reservation. The father of Mrs. Bessie Davis is missing. Mrs. D. Henrick of Laguna and Market Streets wants to find her husband. Miss Olivia Sharp, send address to Minnie Walton, 931 Magnolia Street, Oakland. T. F. Lyons is at Fulton and Stanion Streets and wants his family. Mrs. E. Jeffries wants to meet her daughter at Camp Lake. Charles Hoffman's family is going to Sacramento. Apply at Laguna and Market Streets. Miss Henrietta Meyer is at 1684 Post Street. An elderly man named Hickey, who formerly resided at the corner of Van Ness Avenue and McAllister Street, lost his wife and five children on the day of the earthquake and has been unable to locate them. Mr. Hickey is camping in Jefferson Square Park and is nearly insane with grief. Great Area Destroyed by Flames Devastated District includes all the business and manufacturing section of the city. One half of the mission falls a prey to the elements. Map shows district burned up to three o'clock this morning. The fire-swept district last night, when the last building had offered its frame as food for the most fearful of elements, embraced practically all of that part of the city east of Franklin Street, between Market and the Bay, south of Golden Gate Avenue from Laguna to Market, east of Buchanan from Hayes to Market, south of Market from 20th Street to the waterfront, and down to Townsend Street. A section of the Mission Fire extended from 20th Street between Dolores and Cap Streets. The devastated area includes, generally speaking, one half of the Mission, all of the manufacturing and business districts, the North Beach section, 
Knob, Russian, Telegraph, and Rincon Hills, and the Waterfront. Two wide thoroughfares, Dolores Street and Van Ness Avenue, gave the firefighters a chance to dynamite a swath behind the flames. It was at these two points that the raging torrent of flame was arrested, and the greater part of the residence portion of the city saved from destruction. To the width of these two streets the city owes the absence of complete annihilation. This does not detract from the gallant and untiring efforts of the members of the fire and police departments, and the militia and troops. Firemen, policemen, and soldiers fought for San Francisco, and they did it nobly. They snatched food and a little sleep when and however they could. All day yesterday one could see fagged-out firefighters seizing an opportunity between battles to get a little sleep on the street or sidewalk. When the alarm of approaching danger from the conflagration was given, they rose quickly and resumed their places fighting, fighting like demons for the citizens of this municipality which employed them. One hasty glance over the devastated city could not compel the holding back of tears. All that remains of a once beautiful city is marked by gaunt ghost-like frames, chimneys, and heaps of ruin. Knob Hill, the site of many of the city's palatial homes, is but a charred mound of earth, on the crest of which stands the framework of the beautiful Fairmont Hotel. In some cases architectural beauties stand unmarred except for blackened walls and absent windows. At the Union Iron Works huge vessels are lying on their beam ends, half in and half out of the water, collapsed and sunken docks with ruins stretching inland. The large passenger steamers, City of Puebla and Columbia, were wrecked at their docks at the Iron Works. May give another million for relief. Secretary Taft's plea to Congress on behalf of San Francisco. Acts on advice received from War Office. He believes people will endorse his course. Washington, April 20th. Secretary Taft, while testifying before the Canal Committee, received at 3 p.m. today a message from the War Department that another million dollars is needed to buy supplies for San Francisco sufferers. The Secretary, after reading the message, said, We have already contracted for one million five hundred thousand dollars worth of stores and expenses incident to the work. This message, of course, should go to the House at once. He said he would send it there for action. If I am guilty of any impeachable offense, referring to the law prohibiting expenditures in excess of appropriations, in connection with this disaster, I shall crave your endorsement of my course, he said, in explanation of his desire to do everything possible for the sufferers without delay. Congress will acquit you, said Senator Taliaferro, and others assented feelingly. Mint saved by heroism of employees. Men stay at their posts on roof while flames rage about them. Independent fire equipment Superintendent Leach established proves effective. Ex-Chief Kennedy of Oakland directs successful efforts of valiant force. Uncle Sam's home of money intact and can resume business any time. One of the most heroic fights and noblest victories achieved in the terrible Holocaust was the saving of the Mint, 
around which the fiery tortugas roared like the furnaces of cyclops the regular fire department was concentrating its energies in blowing up buildings and fighting flames adjacent to the mint the unequal fight went with rapidity and hour by hour the mint was more and more in jeopardy superintendent leach by a wise foresight had constructed during the lulls in business of the last four months a pretty substantial fire equipment for the mint itself when the fire seemed uncontrollable superintendent leach had the hydrants adjacent to the home of money thoroughly inspected and it was found that a fair stream was obtainable by another remarkably lucky stroke of fortune ex-chief kennedy of the oakland fire department chanced to be an employee of the mint he at once organized the men of the mint into a fire brigade and he himself went to the roof with one hose lines were supplied to men on the other floors and every man held his post like a hero while the terrible holocaust surged around the great stone building again and again sparks caught the roof or fell through cracked windows but in every instance a vigilant guard played the hose upon the invaded spot and the loss of the mint was averted speaking of the saving of the mint superintendent leach said at an early hour this morning i have never seen a braver band of men than those employees of the mint who led by ex-chief kennedy stood in places of danger without a whimper many of them knowing that their own families might be in danger or might need their assistance later what they saw was the immediate call to duty and they knew also that if they failed in their hazardous undertaking if they failed to stop any little blaze that their lives would go up like wisps of paper the government can never understand the heroism of the achievement for no description nothing short of the sight of dante's inferno itself can ever give the human imagination a picture of the horrors that confronted the firefighters of the mint who held to the post of duty surrounded by crashing buildings and roaring flames that melted iron there is no truth in the rumor which got into print in some papers to the effect that fourteen men had been shot while trying to rob the mint and that a national guard man was bayoneted by a regular soldier as the outcome of a dispute as to authority opera singers leave the conried grand opera company left for the east last night that is all the members of the organization that could be got together several could not be located emma eames and zembrick spent the night of the earthquake sitting on the slopes near fort mason leuchner measures the shocks scientist says concentration of vibration would have caused greater damage duration of first attack is reported to have been forty-two seconds velocity of earth's crust was two inches per second breaking coast record first large motion of earth was due west as recorded berkeley april twentieth professor o a leuchner of the astronomical observatory at the university in a scientific account of the earthquake shock of last wednesday says that the ruin wrought by the quake would have been vastly greater had not the vibrations been distributed over so many seconds of time he writes that if the shocks of wednesday had been instantaneous inestimably more havoc would have been wrought 
Professor Leuchner, in a bulletin on the earthquake issued this morning, holds as follows. The best record of the beginning of the heaviest shocks is furnished by the standard clock of the Students' Observatory, which stopped at 5 hours 12 minutes 38 seconds Pacific Standard Time, while less severe shocks were recorded by S. Albrecht some 35 seconds earlier. The principal part of the earthquake came in two sections, the first series of vibrations lasting for about 40 seconds, the vibrations diminished considerably during the following 10 seconds, and then continued with renewed vigor for about 25 seconds more. The principal direction of motion was from south-southeast to north-northwest. The remarkable feature of this earthquake, aside from its intensity, was its rotary motion. As seen from the print, the sum total of all displacements represents a very regular ellipse, and some of the lines representing the earth's motion can be traced along the whole circumference. The result of observations indicates that our heaviest shocks are in the direction of south-southeast to north-northwest. In that respect, the records of the three heaviest earthquakes agree entirely. But they have several other features in common. One of these is that while the displacements are very large, the vibration period is comparatively slow, amounting to about one second in the last two big earthquakes. If the recent shocks, as felt at Berkeley, had been instantaneous, inestimably more havoc would have been wrought with all kinds of buildings. The slowness of the vibration is the only redeeming feature in these calamities. The following account of the earthquake of October 21, 1868, as experienced in San Francisco, is taken from Professor E. S. Holden's Catalogue of Earthquakes, 1769 to 1897, and will serve to show the features it had in common with that of today. The first shock was at seven hours fifty-three and a half minutes a.m. Its direction was northerly and southerly. Its duration was forty-two seconds. The second shock came at nine twenty-three a.m., lasting five seconds. Lighter and briefer tremors occurred at intervals of about a half an hour until 12.15 p.m. The first shock was most severely felt on the eastern side of the city, on the made land between Montgomery Street and the Bay. On the solid land, no serious damage was done to any well-constructed house. The custom house was badly damaged. It was poorly constructed. As in 1865, a small crevasse was opened on Howard Street beyond 6th. The greatest damage was done in a belt several hundred feet wide, running northwest and southeast, commencing at the Custom House and ending at the Folsom Street Wharf. The tall chimney of the United States Mint was damaged. The ferry steamer, Contra Costa, was near Angel Island and felt the shock strongly. Shocks were noted at 7.53, 8.10, 8.15, 8.45, 9.20, 9.03, 9.35, 10 o'clock, 10.30, 11.05 a.m., and at 12.15 and 2.58 p.m. 
waves came fifteen or twenty feet farther inland than usual. There were about thirty casualties in the one hundred and fifty thousand inhabitants. Five deaths occurred from falling walls, etc. Not a single well-built house on the solid land suffered materially, whether of brick, stone, or wood. Wooden houses suffered least. By following the trace of the pen from the beginning, it will be seen that the first large motion of the earth was due west, east on the print, the motion of the earth being in the opposite direction to that of the pen. It measures two inches. As the instrument multiplies 4.3 times, the actual displacement of the earth's crust, or amplitude of the wave, was about one-half of an inch. This also corresponds to the average amplitude of the resultants in the direction south-southeast to north-northwest. Taking the average period as one second, the velocity of the Earth's crust during the heavy shocks is found to be roughly two inches per second, by far the greatest ever observed on the coast. Heavy masses on fairly smooth surfaces were observed to move as much as three inches. REPORTS EXAGGERATED Superintendent Leach received a telegram from Washington last night, requesting him to forward as soon as possible a list of the dead and injured, as well as of all who were saved from death by earthquake or fire. The tenor of the inquiry indicated that an exaggerated report of the number killed had gained circulation in the East. Harriman hurrying to West Chicago, April 20th. E. H. Harriman passed through Chicago on his special train today for San Francisco. He was in the city less than an hour, arriving at 7.30 and leaving over the Northwestern a little earlier than 8.30. He said that all of the Harriman lines and all of the steamship interests which he controls will be placed at the service of San Francisco. I have issued orders, he said, that the situation in San Francisco is to be considered above everything else. All the motive power of the Harriman lines and all of the steamship lines in which I am interested have been instructed to do everything possible, and with the utmost energy, for the relief of the people of San Francisco. These orders are that San Francisco is to have precedence at all points over all classes of business. I have ordered the collection and immediate dispatch of supplies from Los Angeles, Sacramento, Oakland, and other points. All such shipments that may be given to the Harriman lines for transportation to San Francisco will, of course, be handled without charge of any kind to the shippers. I am of the confident opinion that San Francisco will rapidly be rebuilt and will be a greater city in the future than it has been in the past. I am going through as rapidly as possible on a special train in order to see that my orders are carried out, and to aid in their execution as much as I possibly can by being on the ground myself. Big Sum for Relief Work Special to the Call Omaha, April 20th E. H. Harriman, President of the Union Pacific, Oregon Railroad, and Navigation Company, and the Southern Pacific, today authorized the expenditure of $200,000 in relief work in San Francisco. 
In addition to this, all the above roads will haul relief supplies free of charge, and in many cases they will be forwarded on passengers' trains with expedited service. Damage at Santa Rosa, special to the call. Santa Rosa, April 26th. A careful survey of the situation shows that Santa Rosa has suffered worse than any other place, unless it be San Francisco or San Jose. From E to A streets and from 3rd to 5th, not a building is standing. Looking over the territory, the view is simply that of a heap of ruins from which nothing has escaped. End of section 5